Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Islam for Christians, episode 70, Quran, Surah 99, Az Zazala, The Earthquake. When the earth is shaken with her final earthquake, and earth yielded up her burdens, and man saith, What aileth her? That day she will relate her chronicles, because thy Lord inspireth her. That day mankind will issue forth in scattered groups to be shown their deeds. And whoso doeth good an Adam's weight will see it then. And whoso doeth ill an Adam's weight will also see it then. And now the Arabic, as recited by Saad al Ghamdi. إِذَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا وَأَخْرَجَتِ الْأَرْضُ أَثْقَالَهَا وَقَالَ الْإِنسَانُ مَا لَهَا يَوْمَئِذٍ تُحَدِّثُ أَخْبَارَهَا بِأَنَّ رَبَّكَ أَوْحَى لَهَا يَوْمَئِذٍ يَصْدُرُ النَّاسُ أَشْتَاشًا لِيُرَوْا أَعْمَالَهُمْ more than 200 years ago, there was a spectacular, almost indescribable earthquake in the American Midwest around the area of St. Louis and Memphis. Now, this event is very little known, so to speak. Very few people know about this unless you actually live in the area that is affected, say, St. Louis, Memphis, the middle of the Mississippi River, basically, about halfway down. But for people who live around what's called the New Madrid Fault, what's Madrid as in Madrid, it's always in the back of their mind. This event, more than 200 years ago, always thinking, or at least often thinking, could this happen again? Could the earth really do that again here? And are we prepared for it? Now, this particular area of the United States has been reinforcing highways for decades, even though the fault has pretty much been silent. And it has been, for the most part. No massive quakes for more than 200 years. For the entire 20th century, nothing above five on the Richter scale. There are even renowned scientists who are actually starting to say, this fault is dead. There will be no more earthquakes. That cannot happen again. And they're also saying, hey, you know these billions of dollars you're pouring into earthquake resilience? It's being wasted. Still, if you were, say, the mayor of Memphis, what would you be doing? You know, they're not taking any chances. Why? Because what happened 200 years ago was so big, so epic. It's almost impossible to imagine the impact if it happened today. Quick true story. I had some relatives, otherwise intelligent people, who actually evacuated this area 
Uh, this was in 1990, and some jackass predicted an earthquake along that fault. Now, this person had no scientific credentials in seismology or anything even close to that. But this idea that there was going to be an earthquake, it spread like a virus. You know, it went viral, so to speak. All this, this was 1990, before the internet even existed. Still, people were freaking out and leaving their homes. That is how large a shadow this cataclysm casts on this small area of the United States. A repeat earthquake would be no small thing. And if any kook thinks one's going to happen, it's going to spook a lot of people. The American government, for its part, has said that would this happen again, 200 years later, now that this area is populated, it would be, theoretically, the costliest natural disaster in the country's history. And just think about that. Think of all the, the earthquakes and the, the floods and the hurricanes we've had. This would be the costliest natural disaster in the country's history. But again, almost nobody knows about it. It's mostly lost to history, mainly because so few people lived there at the time. Again, this is something only people with roots in the area know about or care to read more about it or seek out information. So here's what happened. In just a few months, spanning 1811 and 1812, a series of earthquakes shook the area around New Madrid, Missouri. Again, that's Madrid, not Madrid. Same spelling. You know, this area of the country, and I say this with love, it's just tradition <laughs> to take the names of great world cities, mispronounce them, and then use them as town names. It's just, just what they do. Or I could say what we do at a certain point. There's Madrid, not Madrid. Vienna, not Vienna. Cairo, not Cairo, and so on. Now, those are all towns and cities in this earthquake zone. So, New Madrid. This place is right by the Mississippi River and at the intersection of five American states. Missouri, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas. This area is where the east meets the west and where the north meets the south, where the water flowing east from the Rockies meets the water flowing west from the Appalachians, and they go down to the Gulf of Mexico and the, uh, and the Mississippi River. You know, it's also where the old slave states met the free states before the Civil War. It's the heartland of the heartland of America, the beating heart in the center of America. Now that, this place was the epicenter for this epic series of earthquakes, the worst in American history, maybe even in the Western Hemisphere. And the descriptions of this, if you actually seek them out, are absolutely wild. I'm surprised this is not more well known. The earth became liquefied. It rolled like an ocean during a storm. Sand shot up from the earth like it was from a volcano. The moonlit night air became filled with a sulfur vapor so thick that the night turned black completely. The Mississippi River, one of the largest in the world, flowed backwards for a time, 
and was permanently altered by this. The reverse wave flying up the Mississippi River plugged up streams and created new lakes and floods and it sank boats. Church bells rang on the Atlantic coast more than a thousand miles away. Uh, here's something from eyewitness Eliza Bryan, who was one of the few people who saw this happen at Ground Zero at the time. The vibration of the earth shook down trees. Thousands of willows were swept off like a pipe stem, about waist high, and the swamps became high ground, and high land became low ground, and two islands in the river were so shaken, washed away and sunk, as to never be found again. So what we have here is complete devastation and unbelievable change. As big a change as humans have seen on our time on this planet. Biblical change, you might call it. What's it like to be moving blindly in the dark, hearing the roar of the great river and feeling the quaking of the earth and choking on sulfur? when the earth seems to be turning itself inside out. That's the kind of thing I'm seeing when I read this Sora. So whatever is known in your part of the world, substitute that, whatever your great story is. You know, this isn't just the earth shaking and some buildings falling. There is so much more than that. This is the earth regurgitating its innards bringing everything below the surface up to the top, like the eruption of a supervolcano, only a million times worse. That is what's being described in the Quran here. Again, you don't have to use my example. I'm sure pretty much everywhere has some kind of lore about an epic cataclysm from the past. <laughs> you know, if you're in the Middle East, that may actually be something in the Bible. But if you've seen this theme before, it won't be the last time. You're going to see this a lot. Great upheaval, great change, a revelation, judgment. What is different in these soras is the metaphor being used and what is being emphasized. Now, in this case, it's using the earth as a metaphor for the human soul or the mind or the memory or even physical things, too. For a similar message, uh, see the scales of Sora 101. We just had something like this. And also keep in mind with these things, this is change, not destruction. Big difference. This isn't a catastrophe. It's a judgment. It could be good for very many people. Historically, a Sora that reads like this it tends to be a Mechansaur. And this one certainly reads like a an early Mechansaur, I would say. It really does. And that's an assumption that makes sense. However, <laughs> this one is largely considered to be a Medinan Sura, meaning that was it was revealed in Medina in the second half of Muhammad's ministry. Now, if this is true... Perhaps it's just because the people really needed a good shot in the arm, a burst of energy. Maybe it was after a lost battle. There really isn't 
a historical consensus on when precisely this was revealed to Muhammad, which adds to the mystery and kind of makes it more fun. So, you know, when you read this, don't lock yourself into some historical time frame. But it really, really reminds me of Muhammad's early days. And that's just kind of how I tend to think about it. This is old school Quran. The rhythm, the rhyme, the use of poetry to divide the subject matter. For example, look at the way the rhyme divides the three different parts of this surah. Part one is lines one to five. Part two, the transition, is line six, which breaks up the two main parts. Then the last two lines, the third part. Listen to it again in the Arabic and see if you notice it. Or just look on a screen or a book. Because even if you don't read Arabic, just notice the same symbols at the end of the lines. Now remember, it's right to left in Arabic. So just listen here. Here's the Arabic again. So there's the event, the cataclysm, the physical happening, all ending in ha. Then the narrator explains with a single line setting up the result, two lines ending in ah. And this is a very poetic way of saying, it all comes up, nothing stays buried. Not a bad thought, not a wicked deed, not a dead body. The earth will tell all on the final day, and we will all be judged on it. And the earth will tell the story of man in its entirety, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And nothing is too trivial. The earth is not just spitting out giant chunks of rock and metal. Every little pebble counts. So whoever does an atom's weight of good will see it. And whoever does an atom's weight of evil will see it. And what that means is everything. An atom's weight something small and imperceptible to the eye, something that small. Now, of course, the people translating that are, are taking some liberties. I've noticed almost every translator does it. Because, I mean, common sense will tell you, it certainly does not say Adam's weight. <laughs> At least it didn't in the original intent of the original Arabic. Because the ancients didn't know what an atom was. I mean, that concept didn't exist. And even if it did, they didn't have the equipment to see it. The Arabic word used is um, dara, which means atom. But of course, that's a modern usage. An ancient Arab would have said speck or dust or 
something like that. So we might not be able to see it, but every element down to the base level can be seen. And any contaminant in what many people may have thought was a good work, you know, if it was, say, 1% bad, 99% good, you're still going to see that little percent of bad inside the bigger good. And of course, a Christian reads this, you know, through the lens of sin and thinks, you know, a redeemer would be real handy in a situation like this, but that's Christianity. Islam, you are being judged on merit, on the weight of your scales, in American legal terms, on the preponderance of the evidence. And that's obviously what this surah is about. But like many other things, there's other stuff in there. Um, there's a very interesting take on this. Uh, you can kind of take or leave this. Um, but again, this, this take is fascinating to me. So I just wanted to share it, particularly as it relates to what we've been doing. By we, I mean us, a modern society, us humans here on earth since the industrial revolution. You know, this take is basically seeing it through that lens and it's a semi-apocalyptic take, this idea that this event described in the Sora might be getting closer than we think, and maybe we're even the cause of it. Now, personally, I'm not fully convinced of this kind of thing. I tend to think Judgment Day is something God brings about, not people. You know, if you look at the people who have predicted the apocalypse in the past, it's not a good record. <laughs> it's a really bad one. They're O for a zillion. But it's fun just to think about it. You know, are we bringing this about? It's just mentally, it's, it's an entertaining thing to speculate on. You just think about what we have been doing on the earth in our time that has never been done before. And at a scale that has never been done before. This Sora says that the earth will throw up her treasures. Now, has the earth ever thrown up more treasures than now? I mean, the earth isn't throwing them. We're digging in and we're taking them. Gold, diamonds, oil, natural gas, rare minerals, uranium, plutonium. We are throwing up the earth's treasures. We're the ones actually doing this. And that treasure, the physical treasure that powers society and the machines of industry, it's that power which allows our modern world that can even support all these people. We have 7 billion people on this planet right now. And that wealth allows for specialization and therefore grows human knowledge at an ever-increasing pace. And then there's the, just the resulting wealth of all that. So it's not like this entire thing is even fully bad. You know, it's enabled an incredible amount of wealth um, across the world. You know, poverty, grinding poverty has never been lower. You know, and it also allows specialization um, and greater human freedom to pursue something they're good at rather than a task randomly assigned by lineage or fate. And that just increases technology further. So we're digging up things, we're digging up treasure, 
And this treasure is enabling us also within ourselves to dig up greater and greater knowledge. And of course, that is causing greater and greater disruption to an extreme degree. Remember line three of this surah. People will cry and wonder what is wrong with the earth. In other words, as one scholar put it, the changes will be so profound and the discoveries so far-reaching that people will exclaim with wonder and in bewilderment, what is the matter with her? So here we are. It's the 21st century. We have human-created changes and physical changes to the environment. Heat waves and melting ice caps, environmental devastation and poisoned waterways, Chernobyl and Fukushima, a poison cloud in India that killed 15,000 people, the Kuwaiti oil fields on fire, if you remember that, countless smaller disasters from old coal mines and poorly thought out waste disposal. I actually grew up next to a pile of radioactive waste it happens, and they tried to bury it under the town. We had to fight them on that. So all of that combined is nothing compared to what will happen after the first scale, large scale nuclear war, which really is a matter of when, not if, as long as nuclear weapons are here and usable, eventually someone's going to use them. So with all these things happening, is it possible that we're doing this? What's described in this Sora? Are we doing this? You know, or is this a harbinger of the end? Now, again, I want to really emphasize that I doubt it. We're just having fun here. <laughs> I, I don't put much stock in apocalyptic predictions. Jesus was pretty clear that predicting the end time was folly. He just told us to keep watch and, you know, not try to predict his return. And I think Muhammad would say the same thing. I mean, really, how arrogant is it to assume that you can trigger the apocalypse? No. This particular earthquake, what's being described in this surah, this is the work of God. Muhammad himself talked about this surah, saying this means that one day all actions will be known. This is when the earth tells her story our story. It digs up all the old chapters and makes them available. The earth is basically telling the story of man in its entirety, and we will be judged as individuals on all of it. Then the books will be closed, and God will begin writing a new story. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time, inshallah.
Thank you for listening to Islam for Christians. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep this show ad-free, you can also visit my Patreon page and subscribe. I'm at patreon.com slash Islam for Christians. That's patreon.com slash Islam for Christians.